You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Isn't that a joke? I get suspended from intramurals for abusing the official, but in the pros, they're allowed to play? <laughs> yeah, I don't know how that works out. Oh, the last day of school. Didn't they stuff you into a hockey net? <laughs> Maybe. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the Two and Out CFL Podcast. Now they have to kick it out, and they do! Every week, Travis Curra. Does anybody still care about this podcast? And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Are you kidding? This is unbelievable! Ready, set, and we are a part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. Depending on when you're listening to this, by the end of June 17th, it's uh, your last day to fill out the survey, albertapodcastnetwork.com slash survey. There is an incentive this year. If you fill it out, you got a chance to win uh, one of three cash prizes of uh, 100 bucks. You can't go wrong with uh, 100 bucks. I do have to wish congratulations to the Toronto Raptors. Uh, we haven't had an episode since then. Uh, and to the city of Toronto for not, you know, wrecking too many things. Just a couple cop cars and uh, I, th- I think a bus there. Uh, my idea of fun is not walking around the streets and filming a crowd, but I mean, more power to them. Yeah, my idea of fun would have been sitting on a couch, watching it, yelling at the TV, much like I did. (laughs) Now, uh, I hope you had a good Father's Day weekend. Ty, I will give you this opportunity to make a uh, daddy issues joke. (laughs) Uh, No, I already gave my stepdad his present on Friday because it came in the mail and I was over uh, at mom and dad's there to drop off the compound miter saw that he let me use. That didn't work uh, much like my real father. <laughs> oh, there it is. Let's talk about week one. In the huddle with Karan Tai on the Two and Out podcast. All right. Everything that I thought I knew, we don't know. And that happens every single CFL oh, season. Just, just wait. Just wait. Not, not everything. There, there was okay. one thing we knew was going to happen. And we just didn't expect it to happen. We just didn't expect it to happen four plays into the season. Yeah, that's true. Let's, I guess, talk about the Ticats beating the Riders 23-17. I think it was the fourth play from scrimmage. Zach Caleros goes to, he rushes for seven yards, goes to slide, and Simone Lawrence comes in and makes contact with his head. And it has been announced on Sunday that the team Put him on the six-game injured list. They said that we will not be seeing him for a while. I guess he underwent the concussion protocol on the sideline that day. He did not pass, and maybe the Riders are ready to move on here. They have actually signed Brian Bennett, who was cut by the Winnipeg Blue Bombers following camp. And I think that speaks volumes as to what this regime thinks about guys like Brandon Bridge and David Watford <laughs> moved, yeah. on, moved on from them. The guys that know this Rough Rider system, they went to bring in somebody brand new. Because Cody Fajardo ended up getting hurt in this game as well. I guess he's okay after the first day of practice, but I don't know if we can move on without talking about the hit. Uh, what was your first reaction, Ty? Um. Game speed, watching it at, at first, 
I instantly was like, I just won my bet um, because Kolaros is out. There, there is no way uh, that he is going to be playing in this game. And when it slowed down and you see that Simone's shoulder hit him right in the head, uh, it was it was was not good. Uh, you know, the more and more I watch it, I, you will still not convince me that Simone Lawrence had a chance to... Well, I, I shouldn't say he didn't have a chance. You won't convince me that Simone Lawrence did this on purpose. Uh, with the new rules, I, I get that quarterbacks are even more protected now than they ever have been. Um, but to me, watching it, when Calero starts his slide, Simone's already starting to go in for a tackle. Uh, and, you know, the, the slide puts his head in in an area where, you know, Simone's going to try to hit low, obviously, because he doesn't want to hit him in the head. But with the slide, it was just everything happened all so quick and all at once. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what a guy is supposed to do. Uh, in Simone's position, because if you don't go for the tackle, then Kolaros isn't going to slide. And well, you're gonna I think miss him. he was going to slide either way. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm just like there's going to be there's going to be quarterbacks that like uh, James Franklin and Antonio Pipkin there before he before he hurt his ankle. That you know they're going to see a guy and and the guy's going to think they're going to slide, so maybe they don't go for it. And I know that's kind of what the league wants, but if they see a guy starting to tack or starting to get ready to commit to a tackle, and they're quick enough to slide, they can bait a lot of guys in penalties. I guess I look at that play, and I know Simone Lawrence. There's no chance he was going to try and tackle a William Powell that way, and there no. was no chance he was going to try and tackle, you know, an S.J. Green that way. He he no. just he it was reckless on his part. I I mean I I think he one hundred percent reckless, but I don't think there was any ill intent. I don't, I don't think he was trying to hurt Zacharos at all. And when yeah, when you when you slow it down, and I mean everything in slow motion and game speed and all that, it, he was mm-hmm. committed to the hit, but he just launched himself in there. Yes, yeah. Oh, it's a spearing uh, for sure. It's not late. Because of when he committed, when he committed to the tackle, and and compared to when Calero slid, that's not late to me. That's just a timing issue. That you know, it was he slid. Sure, he's going low, um, and it happened to be that Calero slid and it got a shoulder right in the side of the head. Uh, it, it, it's a spearing call because he did launch himself, uh, but I, the, all these people calling for Simone Lawrence's head, I I don't agree with. Uh, it does not help that Kolaros plays for the Riders. And this is his third concussion in 51 weeks, which just adds on to, to everything that people have been talking about. And it just, it's not a great situation. I don't know why it always seems to happen to poor Zach. <laughs> uh, he was clearly vulnerable. He mm-hmm. wasn't planning on going for a 40-yard run, at least I could no. tell. And to me, it's it's it's... The actual hit that Simone went for, like, <laughs> I mean, even if Zach was upright, I mean, 
I guess they they don't want quarterbacks to get hit low either. I mean, it's a different situation because he was a runner, but yeah. man, <laughs> he just launched right at him. And uh, for a quarterback, the guy could slide at any time, and I get it's tough on the defender, but what's the quarterback supposed to do? He did exactly what we're telling him oh. to do. Is 100%. This, I mean, the guy's got head issues. We, we're like, you got to slide. Now, wh- where's the gray area there? Are we just going to tell these guys to throw it away no matter what? Or I've never thought quarterbacks should be able to slide, but that's just me. I have to feel for Kolaros here because well, it, it's not in his control. And I know everybody's concerned about him and his health, but that hit could have happened to any quarterback, and it mm-hmm. could have... Shortened any career. It, it doesn't matter if the guy has previous uh, head trauma or not. It's just, it's a sad situation. It's his first game back mm-hmm. at Tim Hortons Field, and it's a former teammate of his that that sends him to the six game injured list. I really hope it's not the end of Zach's career, but just the way that the Riders are treating this, they haven't even called it a concussion yet, but the way that they're treating it kind of makes it seem like he's going to take a long, hard look at things and decide whether he wants to get back out there. And he 100% should. Like I said, third concussion in under a year. Uh, you know, And the more you get, the more susceptible you are to get them. And it doesn't even have to be a hit to the head. You can get a concussion from whiplash. So getting hit on a sack, if he gets sacked from behind and his head whips back, and he gets driven into the turf, even if his head doesn't hit the turf, you can still get concussion that way. Right? So, I mean, I, I, I don't want it to be the end of Zach Claros's career. He, he's been good for the league, uh, you know, and when he was healthy in 2015, uh, you know, he was, he was on pace to win the MOP, and it wasn't even going to be close. This guy was, uh, I think he was going to be up there with the Rileys and the Mitchells. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he should be there right now, but because yep. of the injuries, Absolutely. he's not. No, and, and, you know, concussions are way different than, you know, tearing your ACL. That's a set timeline. You have your surgery and everything. A brain and a brain injury, head trauma is completely different. It affects everybody a different way, uh, different severities and all that. And, you know, you have to you have to look after yourself because you you don't want to be – you don't want to be the guy sitting at home in a dark room hating your family and you know going through depression and and all this other stuff that can be caused from massive brain trauma and numerous brain traumas uh, and living like that for the rest of your life because it's just not worth it. I'd like to say that Simone should get you know uh the same amount of games missed that Zach misses but at the same time I don't think it's fair for us That's to just not practical, him. right? Yeah, for possibly the rest of the season. Um, yeah. By the time you listen to this, you probably know Simone's uh, supplementary discipline here. They had a hearing on Saturday. The league said they don't want to decide any later than Monday. So by the time you press play, you probably already know. I, I'm going to guess they're going to try for two games. Uh, it's it's so funny because the, the PA appeal system is kind of broken you're trying to protect the guy that got hurt, but also protect the guy that hurt the guy mm-hmm. from missing yeah. too many games. It's such a weird process, but it's just the way it is. And, and they are, and you know, if they do, I'm sure there will be an appeal process and all that stuff. The arbitrator is usually independent. I mean, and so that's the only saving grace. But yeah, it is weird 
to have a guy come in and you're like, okay, this is what we want to do. And then, you know, the other player that you're also representing is like, well, how does, how does yeah. he only get this? And I'm going to be, I'm going to be out for 10 games. Like, how is that fair? Right. So yeah, like you said, it's broken. It's super weird. It's like, you can't have one lawyer represent the same, the two parties in a exactly in a court case, but yeah, we can do it for professional sports. So, I mean, uh, well, moving on from the hit, I can't remember a week one that had you know three East West matchups and the intensity that this mm-hmm. week had. Uh, I think it was Matthew Shinetti that tweeted after the hit that Micah Johnson looked at the Hamilton bench and said, you're next. <laughs> and, yeah. and basically the very next play, it was Delvin Bro laying a licking on William Powell when he didn't need to. The ball was basically... That one, that one I have a way huger, way bigger issue with. It's not really talked about as much, but the Ticats got no. 50 yards of penalties on that drive and gifted mm-hmm. the Rough Riders a touchdown there. Yeah, I I don't know. The Ticats must have just been fired up in this one. Mark Washington had them fired up, and I was talking to my Lions fan buddy, and I said, where was this with the Lions last year? But <laughs> uh, Delvin Bro, he, he gets into the top 10 of the CFL top 50 players from TSN, but the Riders, and I think part of it was that there were young players. Uh, Isaac Harker came in and just was throwing at Delvin Bro, and I don't think he knew that you don't throw at Delvin Bro. <laughs> but two, the- two interceptions and zero touchdowns for Isaac Harker. So, of course, Rider Nation is in love with this kid. Hey, well, one was on third down and one was the Hail Mary. But he was having success throwing at Bro, and Bro actually early in the game had a pass interference, and he took this mm-hmm. penalty on uh, William Powell. It was kind of, I thought, uncharacteristic of him, but this was a hard-hitting game that could have gotten a lot uglier. I know the Riders, they ended up losing right guard Darius Bladdock later in the game, but man, I felt on edge through the rest of the game that things were going to take a turn for the worse. I I was really hoping for it to get Western um, just because you know the playoffs in the NHL get intense, but nobody fights. So I haven't seen a yeah. good punch thrown in a while. Uh, <laughs> you can't throw punches <laughs> with those helmets. Uh, other than Anthony Joshua getting knocked out. But, uh, yeah, after the bro hit on Powell, which was completely unnecessary. I mean, Powell, yeah, he tipped the ball. Didn't, it, the ball was already out of bounds when, when bro came in and absolutely walloped him for absolutely no reason. Uh, and then, you know, things looked like they were going to boil over. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, okay, well, let's go. Like, hopefully this intensity carries through for both, like, for the whole game. And, you know, both teams can kind of feed off it. And it just kind of seemed to fizzle out, which was a little disappointing. But, like you said, with Mark Washington, uh, you know, coming into Hamilton, Hamilton plays a very physical style of defense. And they did it again. And sure, they went over the line a couple times. But it's the same as when Taylor Loeffler was in Winnipeg. And even now in Montreal, you know he's in the middle. And so you're gonna you're gonna be a little worried about going over the middle. Well, now maybe people, as if quarterbacks aren't already scared enough to throw to Delvin Bro, uh, you know now maybe receivers are gonna be a little wary going over there too. So the game kind of yeah it, it it grinded a little bit after that. Yeah. Uh, Mazzoli ended up you know 
uh, connecting with Brandon Banks. So, I, yeah, I think he is going to be okay on a 41-yard uh, touchdown. And then the game really was uh, broken open with Frankie Williams' 68-yard mm-hmm. punt return for a touchdown in the third quarter. And then the Riders couldn't really uh, get anything done there. But I, they, they dominated the time of possession, actually, 36 minutes with the ball. And, the, and that was all because of William Powell. They did say they would mm-hmm. see a lot of William Powell, and they gave him 20 carries for 104 yards. But it just wasn't uh, quite enough to finish off the Ticats when you're giving up special teams touchdowns. No, and you know we we've we talk, it, it's a broken record, and I know I say that a lot, be, and well, because uh, I am a broken record. Special teams and the line play in the CFL is so much more important than people give it credit for. Uh, you know, it it's basically free points, a special teams touchdown because you're not you're eating you you, you don't eat up a lot of time. You know, your offense doesn't have to come on the field and get tired. You're keeping your offense fresh. Granted, your defense has to go back out there. But if the other team scores, it's basically they're just evening things up. And a, and a special team touchdown is just so deflating to a team. Uh, you know, and it gives that other team that huge spark. Everybody's running on the sidelines. Everybody's amped up. And they seem to be able to carry that on to the next series. And like you said, and after that, the game just kind of grinded. And, and yeah. it didn't help. The, the quarterback options for Saskatchewan were not great uh, in this one. I mean, they had eight passing yards at halftime. <laughs> I, I I don't know how they were in this game. Well, it's the defense. Um, I I know they weren't as flashy, yeah. or and they didn't make any big plays like they did last year, and yeah. they really didn't get to Mazzoli, but they held the Ticats to 230 yards net offense. And mm-hmm. for most of the times, if you can do that, you're you got a good chance to win. You're in really good shape if you can, yeah. And we we figured the defense would be up there again. I mean, Willie Jefferson's a pretty big loss, but you have you bring in Micah Johnson, uh, so you know the defense is gonna keep these keep these guys in games. Uh, but I I think it's gonna be a carbon copy of last year where the offense is going to struggle and struggle mightily, and the defense is gonna be the only reason they're in games. I just don't think that the offense this year is gonna be able to score enough points. Because you're not going to shut out or you know allow ten points every game. You're going to have to score some at some point. I just don't think it's there this year. KD Cannon was the Riders' uh, leading receiver. He seems to be their yak guy. He had 44 yards uh, after the catch, mm-hmm. but he had four catches for 66 yards here. But an interesting tidbit here is that next year, like the NFL, the CFL is only going to allow teams to dress two quarterbacks. Uh, Kind of the thinking there is that they'll have more game day flexibility with all the money that uh, quarterbacks are getting paid, so they'll be allowed to pay guys that are actually playing more money. So we've seen it with BC. Uh, They're only going to roll with two quarterbacks on the roster this year, but the Riders went with three, and glad they did because Kalaros goes down on the fourth play, Cody Vajardo ends up going down later on. He got kind of shoved and banged his head off the turf, but I think the injury there was uh, he fell awkwardly on his arm. So they were down to his third stringer. Um, some quarterbacks, they do have a sort of, a, what, a scat back on punt returns and things like that. Maybe we're going to have to start seeing the third string quarterbacks 
technically dressing as special teamers or something, just pulling double duty here because I, I don't think it's very often when the first two quarterbacks get hurt, but it it can happen. I, I know that everybody, you know, gets all up in arms. Oh, you can just throw Nick Marshall up there. If the guy is what rush for three yards a carry and punt. If the guy is only practicing in the short yardage packages, what good does that do your team? It's going to get killed. Yeah, I mean, it's not the ideal situation. If it has to happen, it happens. But I mean, if you lose your top two quarterbacks, you're probably not winning that game anyway. Yeah, uh, for the most part. So I mean, if Nick you run the wildcat, figure it all on the fly, I guess. Like that, that's basically all they'd be able to do, I think. And I think Nick Marshall knows if he wants to get back to the mm-hmm. NFL, his best path is as a DB. So yep. that's what he's going to do. He doesn't want to practice as a quarterback. I know he did it in Auburn, but it's not the same once you get to the pros. We've seen a lot of NCAA guys come here and do nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like that was wasn't that like a real big story last year? Oh yeah. I forgot yeah. the guy's name, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know either. <laughs> but low-key here, the Ticats defensive line is is vicious. Uh, te- uh-huh. Big big Teddy Laurent, you got him there. Dylan Wynn had, a, had an amazing sack in this one. Fajardo took a pounding in this one. But you got Hauser and you have Ja'Garrett Davis, and that's without uh, Jamal Westerman healthy. The defensive line for Hamilton is something else, and I know nobody's really... They talk about you know Saskatchewan's D-line, maybe Boateng and Sewell and Bazzi in Edmonton, but Hamilton's is nothing to forget about. No, and it the amount of pressure that they are able to put on a quarterback who they can then make a bad decision and throw to a secondary that has a shutdown corner in Delvin Bro, you know, which takes away the number one option for the most part for a quarterback. Uh, you know, you're going to force guys to make plays they don't want to make uh, and, and hold them off on yards and maybe force them to an outs or, you know, not not let teams sustain drives uh, when you're able to get to the quarterback because that there's a quarterback-driven league. And, and, you know, if they're given time, these guys are going to find the open man unless it's Naaman Roosevelt on a 50-yard post pattern. But that defensive line, like, it, they go it, – and I don't know if it's because it's Hamilton and we're just expecting them to win the East and – yeah. So it is what it is. And then you look in the West, and it's it's going to be a dogfight all year for those top four spots. Uh, but, yeah, they're, they're unheralded. They're, they're, you don't talk about the defensive line in Hamilton. It's all Jeremiah Masoli and Brandon Banks and Luke Tasker get a lot of the coverage and, and the, the attention. So, uh, you know, these guys – they're going to be. They're going to be. A, 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 they're going to be players to watch for sure because they're going to. They're going to be the reason that the secondary is going to look so good because they are going to get to the quarterback. As far as fantasy goes, I mean, William Powell had 19 points. He was worth uh, a mm-hmm. pick there. But as far as Hamilton goes, uh, Brandon Banks was worth picking. He had 20 points, so he was uh, picked up right where he left off. And Sean Thomas Erlington had really nice returns considering what he cost, but he left the game. We'll see what happens mm-hmm. with the Tiger Cats want to do against the Argos at running back. But, man, he averaged over six yards a carry, and then Jackson Bennett came in. 
and had negative six yards on what three carries or something so uh, we'll see if they go back to international at that spot or or what they're going to do there if uh, Thomas Erlington has to miss some time yeah if Thomas Erlington would have stayed healthy I mean he left the game he still ended up with 13.3 fantasy points yeah Uh, but you know once Hamilton takes the lead they're gonna start running the ball so I mean he, he could end it up easily with with 20 points uh, much like you know Andrew Harris did and and uh, William Powell around 19 Don Jackson up there too uh, it's just you know the injury bug bites and but I mean a cheap really cheap option this week so it was nice to have uh, considering how the rest of my lineup did did you have Braylon about. Addison too? I had Braylon Addison. Yeah, it was he had brutal. four targets, and it seemed like every one of them was uh, while well, Mazzoli was getting hit or something. So they only connected <laughs> yeah. on one for sixteen yards. But I mean, two point six points. Yeah, when you're dressing the cheap guys, I guess you kind of mm-hmm. expected that. And I dressed two cheap guys by going expensive at running back, and it mm. was just a week one misstep, I guess. <laughs> Ah, those are bound to happen. I mean, <laughs> you, you you do have to find that cheap option somewhere if you want to load yeah. up. Uh, because, you know, we're real men. We start defenses. Hey, my defense so, was my third highest uh, scoring uh, yeah, position. Yeah, my, 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 my defense got me 13 points, so I wasn't complaining about my defense at all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, like, you do have to find uh, that you got to find a diamond in the rough at, at, at one position usually every week. Uh, and we really thought we had it with Sean Thomas Erlington, and then here comes William Stanback uh, with 17.3 points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's uh, go to uh, Edmonton now, where the Eskimos just beat the Montreal Alouettes 32-25, and the Eskimos, well, they got off to a great start. It, it kind of looked like their uh, offense was a well-oiled machine. Well, Montreal as well. Pipkin uh, led a drive there uh, and had a touchdown pass to Devere Posey. So both teams looked really good, I thought. But, I mean, for a debut in Trevor Harris, he looked like he had not missed the game, looked like he belonged at Commonwealth Stadium, 32 of 41 for 447 yards and three touchdowns. What say you about Trevor Harris's debut? The more things change, the more they stay the same in Edmonton, oh, yeah. eh? <laughs> well, you know, we, <laughs> I know that Tavares Daniels was not in yeah. this game. but Well, who you, know had... we, you know what we totally saw coming, though, was Kenny Stafford being the leading receiver for Edmonton. Well, who had Ricky Collins getting 175 yards? Yeah, nobody. <laughs> I mean, Kenny Stafford, 98 yards with two touchdowns, 7 of 10. <laughs> A tar- ten targets for Kenny Stafford, like what? I know. And, think, and, and Greg Ellenson, yeah, five to seven, sixty-six yards, no touchdowns, still got eleven point six points. But the top three offensive players that were not quarterbacks this week were Kenny Stafford, C.J. Gable, and Ricky Collins Jr. The, wow. The, the offense of Edmonton, the offense in Edmonton will be okay. With well, Harris, Harris is going to give the ball to everyone. And he's still going to do that in Edmonton. Calvin McCarty was, I think, more involved in the offense here than maybe the last four seasons combined. He was my front runner for MOP after five plays. <laughs> Man, he looked uh, 
thin. Yep. He looked good. He looks ready to dominate for another season. I mean, how many more games does he have left in him? I think he's closing in on 200 career games. Oh, man. He's been I, – I don't remember a time where I didn't know who Calvin McCarty was. Oh, okay. yeah. That, that might be the, the amount of fun I have when I'm not at work. That could <laughs> affect my memory. Uh, but the guy's been around forever. Huh. Well, Montreal, they were kind of keeping pace with Edmonton a little mm-hmm. bit. And then Edmonton pulled away. And then all of a sudden, Vernon Adams comes in and makes this thing interesting. But, man, we talk about Zach Caleros getting a late hit. Antonio Pipkin was putting up with some garbage there, too. He took a yep. late hit, and then, or no, right before that play, he was face masked to the ground. Like, that was not, I'm going to grab and tug your face mask. It's like, I'm going to tackle you by your face mask. So and It was almost a horse collar at the same time. Oh, So it, it seems to be open season on the quarterbacks, is I guess that's so, what so I'm nothing's, saying. So nothing's changed. Nothing has changed. How do they send a message? I don't know what they do. They're either going to call this thing by the rule book, and we're going to have, you know, 30 penalties a game, and eventually the players will adapt. They got to – the eye in the sky has to be used, and they got to be like, that is a penalty. Throw your flag. Like, we don't even need to – we don't even need to know what came from the command center. Why can't the refs have a – a headset or a head or earpiece in like every TV reporter does. So the producer can talk to me and do the same thing. Guys in the, in, in the war room, we'll call it, you know, with the eye in the sky, but like you missed a blatant hit to the head. You need to throw your flag. We don't need to know that it came from the command center. Say it through the earpiece, throw the flag. It is what it is. You know, call it. Nobody needs to know if they want to release that information. They, they can, but if we're gonna if we're gonna allow quarterbacks to keep getting hit like this, and, and continually, and say that player safety is at the forefront, and yet nothing changes, then what are we doing? Well, and and that's the issue with the Simone hit too, right? Because they upgrade it to yes. a twenty five yard penalty, but he's mm-hmm. still allowed to play. To me, to me, a twenty five mm-hmm. yard penalty means you should be. That's a, an. I thought it was an ejection. When because that's what the, the that's what a disqualification is. You get twenty five yards mm-hmm. and you're and you're done. But no, if, if it's a quarterback, you get twenty five yards and you get to do it again. Uh, so yeah. obviously he didn't do it again, and he and he had a game clinching interception near the end of the game. So that probably should have never Poetry happened. Poetry and <laughs> poetic justice, right? <laughs> I know that was just salt in the wound. <laughs> They, they, they said. I love salt, though. <laughs> I know you do. Uh, that, that's your, <laughs> your favorite thing in your life. So, I mean, try to stick with the uh, Eskimos yeah. and Alouettes here. Pipkin took an absolute beating. He ended up having to leave, I think, because of an ankle injury. Ironically, mm-hmm. he gets hurt on uh, the clean hit. But Vernon Adams comes in, and I, I think he deserves a legitimate shot. The Alouettes are on bye this week, so... I mean, Pipkin gets the heel up a little bit, but if they let Adams just come in and do what he does, then <laughs> just let him loose. Let him have fun for the year and see what happens. He he went 7 of 10 for 134 yards. He had a touchdown and a pick, but he also had three carries for 13 yards. 
on the other side of the coin, <laughs> he he goes for the slide, and well, I think it was the was it Vontae Diggs ends up, uh, I guess, going over top of him. He didn't have a headshot uh-huh. or anything, but the flag was still called from the stands. I thought that Diggs killed him, and <laughs> I, I don't know if Adams was acting or acting or what, but he did put his head down and led with the crown of his helmet. I can tell you that. And oh, if, yeah, 100%. If he did connect there, then, man, that would have not been good. No, and Can you name the third-string quarterback in Montreal? What is it, Schiltz? Is it still not? Because I don't know from week to week. Yeah. <laughs> well, they got <laughs> right. about seven or eight of them, so... <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and, you know... Like you said, yeah, he probably would have got if he would have connected twenty five yard penalty and gets to do it again, right? Yeah. Like I, I don't understand what we're doing with player safety right now, and it seems to be a recurring theme uh, every couple weeks. <sighs> Taylor Loeffler had ten tackles. Of course he did. Cause he's everywhere. <laughs> uh, I, I think the uh, Alouette defense—they basically got burnt out because the. Yeah. The, the L's offense was, and it's been the story of the L's defense for how long now? Uh, on paper, mm-hmm. they're pretty good. I know they have a new defensive coordinator that's brand new to the CFL. They've got the horses to make plays, but man, when they're on the field nonstop, and the Eskimos, another team that had uh, over 34, 30, 34 minutes, minutes time of possession, that's going to wear on any defense. I don't care who it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and sustained drives, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. No breathers. You, you, the timeout situation in the CFL is a lot different than any other league these guys have played in. Um, you know, and it just like you start, you you start trying to get as much oxygen as you can in between plays, and you only got twenty seconds, and and your body just never catches up, and you just get more and more exhausted, and you get burned. Uh, you know, there was three teams with more than thirty four minutes. Uh, time of possession. Well, actually, there was four teams with more than 33 minutes. So, I mean, we had some possession-dominant football games, and you could see it on the defense where, you know, they would give up uh, a lot of plays, and it was – but at somehow teams like Ottawa – I don't know how you throw four picks and still have the time of possession <laughs> numbers they did. But, you know, it just wears on a defense. It's one thing if it's 30-30 because – you know, you you have the same time. Maybe on a long drive, yeah, you're going to notice it. Uh, but when you're on the field for 10 to 15 minutes longer than the other defense, it, it starts to take its toll, and, and you notice it right away. Well, the Eskimos had a 10-play drive in uh, the first mm-hmm. quarter. They had a 12-play drive in the second quarter. And I thought uh, Jordan Robinson uh, returning kicks for the Eskimos had a great preseason, a great camp. But, man, did he have an up-and-down game here. He made some really stupid decisions. Like, <laughs> yeah. s- some of the American players, uh, you know, returning the ball – it's. I know you don't want to give up the rouge. But it's one point. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> they had the ball at the one, and I'm thinking, oh, no, this is going to swing in Montreal's way. How does Edmonton respond with a 109-yard drive? Just, I mean, just disgusting. And and that, that was the one that made it really look like, oh, this is Edmonton's mm-hmm. game. And Vernon Adams came in and made it interesting. But a 109-yard drive, it doesn't get any better than that from an offense. No. No, and in the middle of that drive, I was like, uh, yep, Montreal. This is exactly <laughs> what we expected. <laughs> right? Like, yeah, you look great on paper. We, we kind of we pumped up their tires, and then here we go again. And, and like you said, the, it's a sustained drive. It's not so much the time, but the, yeah, the time of possession does take a toll, but it's the chunks of time that you're actually on the field for, you know, and you can't get spelled off, and you can't take any breaks because this team is running such a a proficient offense it's really hard to to recover in between plays and 109 yards is that's you, you can't you can't have a longer drive so i mean they played that to perfection they bailed jordan robinson out oh yeah and they you know, totally right, did like complete <laughs> bail out there he's got to be he better be buying that offense uh supper for for the next couple nights because that was ridiculous yeah, and the Eskimos consistently worked with long fields last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, they bring in A.J. Gass this year. I really hope it's not the same thing uh, again for them. They're probably uh, going to be excited to try and get Martise Jackson back on mm-hmm. uh, to the field. But the Eskimos gave away an entire football field in penalties, 12 for 118. The Alouettes, for their credit, 11 for 103. <laughs> So super disciplined game. So even though this game was within, you know, a touchdown, it was probably the maybe the sloppiest game of the bunch. Yep, that's fair to say. Uh, and, you know, <laughs> seems week in, week out, we have to talk about discipline with the Eskimos and how they seem to have taken on their <laughs> the personality of their coach and being he, emotionally he unstable. Like but he he uh He's calmed down this year, kind of like yeah. He reminds me of Happy Gilmore when he goes to you know throw the, the place. throw the club, and then uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. Vanessa oh, sees oh, sh- showing some restraint here. <laughs> um, but and then and you know they get rid of Chris Edwards. We're like, well, there's 15 yards a game that they'll save. <laughs> and you know Aaron Grimes took some penalties last year. They're like, what are you doing? And and you know and it just looked like they were going to be a more disciplined football team and that that they had to be it, it, last year nine and nine penalties absolutely killed them the last couple of years and then they have a over a hundred yards in penalty in week one and we know nothing. <laughs> This episode of Two and Out is brought to you by Park Power. They are a provider of electricity and natural gas in Alberta that offers low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. I know more and more people like to know where their money's going. They like to shop local, and that's exactly what Park Power is. In the province, you get to choose, hey, uh, I want to buy my energy here. Well, if you choose Park Power, your money's staying right in the province, and 10% of its profits going to charities. How, how do you beat that? I, how many times have we said it? The two birds and one scone, right, Ty? I, I am leaving this podcast. <laughs> 
<laughs> so head to parkpower.ca. Uh, they got a handy little calculator there. You, you pull up your current bill. You type in what you're paying for your power. It'll show if you save uh, a pile of cash, and they are supporters of the Alberta Podcast Network. So parkpower.ca. Make the switch today. It's super easy, parkpower.ca. All right, this is where we enter the twilight zone, Ty. (laughs) (laughs) So what if I told you that a starting quarterback threw four interceptions, they were playing a team that had not lost at home before Labor Day in five years, and they would still win the game? I would say, is that quarterback Kevin Glenn? (laughs) That quarterback is Dominique Davis. (laughs) So apparently Redbacks fans were right. (laughs) You know, by the way, C.J. Gable... Excuse me. (laughs) C.J. Gable had 20 carries. William Powell had 20 carries. Moses Madu, 24 carries for 112 yards. He looked really beat up by the end of the game. But... I, I I don't know. What did you learn in this game? I, I I don't really know what to feel here. I think you can run on the Calgary Stampeders this year. They lost so <laughs> many horses on that defense, especially in the front seven, and I think that's where Ottawa hit them and just wore them down. I think what we learned is that as much as Calgary is the model of consistency and – of depth that at some point it does run out. But when do we start, do we stop underestimating Rick Campbell and his staff? I don't know. That's another, that's another great question. Uh, I, I don't know anybody. (laughs) Well, I shouldn't say anybody between the two of us. We did not see this from Dominique Davis coming other than, well, I kind of saw the four picks, and not saying he's backward. I'm just saying because you know it's what his fifth career start or something like. Like it's he he has a handful of starts because he's behind Trevor Harris, inexperience, gets in a lot of garbage time. Uh, it it I I saw some turnovers. I I saw that part coming. Uh, but you know to throw four picks, he rushed for three touchdowns. Still got 22 points. Well, fantasy wise, for them to win this game. On the road in Calgary, like you said, for the first time since 2014, Calgary loses at home before Labor Day. I don't think anybody saw that coming. Brad Sinopoli didn't have a catch before halftime. He ends up with seven of them at 75 (laughs) yards. Uh, Caleb Hawley, who looks like he might be a very nice option in Ottawa this year. Mm -hmm. He had nine targets, but five catches for 55. And R.J. Harris has six catches for 82 yards. Ottawa was underestimated last year, and they went to the Grey Cup. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think part of that was everybody expected Toronto to be good again because (laughs) they had just won the Grey Cup, and they go in, their defense is terrible, Ricky Ray gets hurt, and that was the end of their season, and Ottawa took advantage and made it. Uh, to the big game in November. But Rick Campbell and his staff were underestimated by, well, just about everybody. Uh, I I don't underestimate Rick Campbell. I did underestimate the personnel, maybe. But when the guy throws four interceptions and you still win. Yeah. 
If you, I, if you have four <laughs> interceptions on defense, you should be winning that football game nine times out of ten. This is the one. Bo Mitchell did not throw an interception until the last-ditch effort on the last mm-hmm. play of the game. He goes 23 of 39. But the big the big one here is that he was sacked three times. He was sacked. Which does not happen. No, 27 times all of last year. Mm-hmm. So three sacks in this one, I, I, I can't see that average, you know, going forward here. But the Red Blacks dominated the time of possession because of the running game with Moses Madu just beating up that defense. I know Trey Roberson ended up having a hat trick of interceptions, uh, so they were still making plays. They're still, uh, you know, great great players in that secondary with Jamar Wall and, yeah, Trey Roberson. But the, the, the Stampeder offense did nothing in the second half, and that's why they lost that uh, mm-hmm. that game. So let's see here. In the second quarter, the Stamps start with a punt. I'm just going to go with their drives here. Next one was a touchdown. Then a field goal, touchdown, field goal. Next one, turnover on downs. And this is when it goes downhill. Fumble. Punt, 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 interception. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. That was a horrible display from the <laughs> Stampeder offense and if it weren't for Rob Maver, the Red Blacks probably mm-hmm. would have made this they they put probably could have put up 40. Yeah, Maver m- was probably on the trainer's table for a long time <laughs> uh, on Saturday night after the game. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, the, the Stampeders lost a uh, uh, longtime starter, Brad Erdos, before the season, so they've had to play some young guys on the offensive line. That could have been the difference, but they, they didn't run the ball, and they couldn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, nine carries for 22 yards from Don Jackson. So when you can't run the ball and then the uh, defensive line can just pin back their ears and rush the quarterback – then you're in trouble, and that's exactly what happened here. And, and uncharacteristic of, of of Calgary, like you said, with only allowing 27 sacks last year. Yeah, uh, and, and you know that's one and a half a game. They gave up three on Saturday night. Uh, you know, Bo Levi's not used to being under pressure. Uh, you know, and, and it forces him. I'm not saying that he's not a good decision maker, but it for, forces you to scramble, and you know get out of your comfort zone, and it, it's just one of those nights where nothing seemed to go right, especially in the second half for the Calgary Stampeders. And, and like I said, the defense was able to just pin their ears back and go after them. Well, and the Red Blacks, they're a likable team. They are just a team yeah. of hard workers. Except, they bring their lunch pail like to one work. guy. Oh, let me figure out the one guy. Who? I used to ref stuff, so I'm not a big Jonathan Rose fan. Oh, <laughs> oh! That <laughs> I just pretend that uh, Ty was the ref, and then I'm a fan. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> Didn't I get suspended from intramurals for? Uh... Yeah, here's the thing. Numerous, I get, numerous uh, things. Isn't that a joke? I get suspended from intramurals for abusing the official, but in the pros, they're allowed to play? <laughs> yeah. 
I don't know how that works out. Oh, the last day of school. Didn't I stuff you into a hockey net? Maybe. <laughs> I don't know why we're friends still. <laughs> it's your beard, I think. And the, fact, guys, the fact that your mom got us a lot of cheap hot dogs in school. Yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> Antoine Pruneau, uh, Anthony Chaffee. These guys mm-hmm. just come to work. But then Avery Williams and J.R. Tavai on the defensive line. <laughs> I guess it's time we pay attention to these guys. Yeah. Uh, you know, and we talked about with Hamilton, just defensive lines in the – it just seems in the East we don't talk about it as much because, like I said, Hamilton, we, everybody expect, expects Hamilton to run away with it. Uh, you know, there's, we don't yeah. need to to talk about a lot of this stuff because it's not going to matter uh, after Labor Day and, and, you know, teams are going to basically be where they are and the West is such a dogfight. But defenses, well, in week one anyway, seem to be this, you know, so much further ahead than some of the offenses they're playing against. And it's nice to see... And it's fun to watch, but I don't expect it to continue. I know it's week one, but the Ottawa Red Blacks beat the Calgary Stampeders at McMahon mm-hmm. Stadium 32-28. Before, before we go to the next game, yep. Trey Roberson had the three picks, right? Yep. Do you know who never got three interceptions in one game? His grandfather, Larry Highbaugh. Larry Highbaugh had seven games with two interceptions, but and never, never got to three. Never got to three. That's so cool. Yeah. Last game. I just uh, wanted to throw that in there. Last game of week one was the Winnipeg Blue Bombers beating the BC Lions 33-23. And I think the Bombers brought exactly what we expected here, Mm -hmm. a balanced attack. Almost exactly the same. 170 rushing yards and 184 yards passing. Matt Nichols did what he... What he had to do, he he connected with Darvin Adams uh, on a touchdown pass and a couple beauties to Drew Wolitarski. Mm-hmm. Wolitarski might be one of the most underrated receivers in the Canadian Football League. I I would have to agree. Uh, he, uh, not a guy that gets talked a lot about unless it's Rod Black uh, when he's when Strevler's behind center because you know we don't already know that they were roommates. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he he just quietly like four for six this week with forty three yards, two touchdowns. He's not the he's not the flashiest guy out there. He he runs his routes, catches the football, uh, and, and you know that's exactly what a quarterback like Matt Nichols needs. Um, you know he's got Darwin Adams who has the ability to stretch the field. Lucky Whitehead if they get him a little more involved in the offense can stretch the field a little bit or a lot. Grant, given his speed, they have Andrew Harris. Matt Nichols needs guys that catch the ball. They don't even necessarily make, need to make big plays. Just get that six or seven yards. We'll march down the field. Andrew Harris will spell off, uh, or not spell off, but like give a break to the to the to the pass game, and he can he can take some of the brunt. And it's just so balanced, and they just get the job done. And, and you know, Matt Nichols, twenty one of thirty three for one hundred eighty four, three touchdowns. Not the flashiest. And it's kind of the numbers we expected from Matt Nichols. Yeah. Uh, but he still wins football games. It's just it's just not that fun to watch. Andrew Harris had 9.3 yards a carry, 16 carries for 148 yards. Uh, man, it could have been a lot bigger if he had some scores there. I, I started Lucky mm-hmm. Whitehead, 2,500 
$2,500 there. His game looks a lot different if uh, Matt Nichols doesn't overthrow him by a yard or two yes. uh, early and in the first And I didn't think Lucky half. Whitehead could be overthrown. I know. he uh, Nichols put a lot on that throw, and Whitehead was flying down the mm-hmm. field. And he almost made that catch uh, as well. When you look at BC here, the biggest thing that stands out to me is zero rushing game. Four <laughs> yards. <laughs> and they only had four carries. It, it, yeah, I can do that math. Oh, I think thought they would try to run the ball with John White and Brandon Rutley and you know what I I gotta I gotta say when the depth chart came out I don't know how much of a fan I was of Brandon Rutley being the returner but he had a 108 yard return so it shows what I know in that department but if you're not going to run the ball it's going to be really tough to win, especially against a team like Winnipeg. I, I don't know if they didn't want to try to run against the likes of, uh, uh, you know, Adam Big Hill and Willie Jefferson. And I know they've got that new defensive tackle, Stephen Richardson, I believe his name is. Mm-hmm. That guy's a monster up the middle. And uh, they just looked like they just wanted to let their $700,000 man make the throws. Oh, that obviously is a recipe for success, as we saw on Saturday night. As we saw in Edmonton last year. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, Mike Ryan and C.J. Gable last year, they didn't have to completely like, – they completely abandoned the run last night. Yeah, like zero running game. It's not an exaggeration. Four carries, four yards. And it, it I, I just don't understand it. Mike Riley, 22 of 39, still threw for 324 yards with a touchdown yep. and two picks. 13 points in fantasy. When was the last time Mike Riley was that low in fantasy? Ooh. That's been a long time, hasn't it? In, in, a, game, in a game where he doesn't get hurt, of course, right? But like, with, with, zero, with zero running game, how, how is he supposed to run an offense uh, when he knows that, or even when the defense knows, uh, we can just send four guys and have, you know, eight in coverage, eight versus five all night? I'll take that. It, it, it's easy math. Are they just trying to put on a show for the fans? Because uh, Brian Burnham had 153 yards receiving, yeah. but he could have had 300. He had 12 targets, but he only made five catches. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, I mean, he's one of the most exciting I, receivers in the league. Oh, I, I get wanting, like you said, put on a show for the fans. Like Mike Riley is a $700,000 man. Like They want him to they want to sell offense. tickets yeah they want it to be like it was at edmonton where he's the most exciting player in the league again uh but you have to win the football game too uh just because it's exciting to watch if you're not winning football games you're gonna have a real hard time attracting people to bc place oh yeah although and, that outrageous burger wants me to come to bc place well i think Dwayne ford just issued a challenge man he just destroyed it he made that thing his bitch. Well, Mike Benavidez said that they put $100 of meat away before the game, too. Oh, my God. <laughs> that just makes me sweat thinking about that. Uh, Deron Carter had 65 yards receiving here. I Come on, tell me you didn't like Jeff Hecht. His two interceptions oh and the, the chicken wings at Deron chicken. Carter. That... that that is highlight of the night for me. <laughs> Come like, on, that's got to be 1v1. Duron, Duron T-Rexes. He T-Rexes, drops it. 
<laughs> looks scared, looks up, sees Heck doing that, and then starts to chirp Heck. It's like, no, dude. that He gets to do that because you were too scared. It, it's, <laughs> you can't chirp a guy. It's like, it's like Grimes. We always used to see in Edmonton it, get overthrown, and he would be... Pumping his <laughs> That's every DB getting high fives. It's like you did nothing. <laughs> uh, L- Lamar Durant had seventy five yards and a touchdown here, so mm-hmm. this might be the biggest uh, biggest season of his career coming up if he can stay healthy. But the Lions started ten Canadians, including three receivers. I really like the, the Javon Katoy story here. Undrafted, out of football, was playing for the Langley Rams, and then comes into camp and beats out some mm-hmm. uh, international receivers. He only had to catch for six yards, but he's like six four, two thirty. He's a physical monster. I hope he can make things happen this year. But if there is no running game, they are not going to win, and the Bombers are going to pound you into submission. And that's what they did in Vancouver. BC's running game has nowhere to go but up. Next That's week. true. Is Mike Riley going to be their leading rusher this year? <laughs> He's only trailing oh, by four yards. <laughs> I, I don't. Well, I don't want to say would you be surprised because I'm sure they could bring somebody in if John White and Brandon Rutley can't do it. But that, that just that that would be what would be more impressive if he was if he led the team in rushing as the quarterback. <laughs> or if Andrew Harris goes 1,000-1,000. Wow. <laughs> right? Like, that. that's what we're talking about here. That's a question. <laughs> What's more impressive? <laughs> well, well uh, it, it really depends. It Would it be that impressive if, you know, the, the second-place guy on BC has 10 yards in the season? <laughs> John White is on track. <laughs> <laughs> Can he have a 100-yard no. season? That's the question. Yeah, he is on pace for 72. Let's go. 72-yard <laughs> season. Here we go. <laughs> but, you know, overall this week, there was a lot of rushing, except for the BC Lions, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we might see a little bit of a resurgence in the running game a little bit. Uh, as far as fantasy goes, we had rough weeks. Uh, the Canadian Football Podcast Network Fantasy Challenge started this week. I was matched up against BC Lions Den. And and you laid an egg. And Brian beat me by 22. I had 77.7 and he had 99.9. You were against mm-hmm. Empire Andrew and uh, you had 90.8 and he had 104.2. So we had rough weeks, man. I at least covered the spread. <laughs> was was Andrew the favorite going in? I would think so. Um, he texted me after Wolitarski's second touchdown on Saturday night and said, for the record, I had Nichols and Wolitarski in my lineup on Thursday, but I changed it. Whoa. And all I could, all I could think is to myself is, you smug son of a... But I didn't say it. <laughs> Well done, Brian. Uh, we'll we'll try to get back on track next game. Like our credibility is just in the toilet. Did we have any to begin with? Uh, I mean, you are a pierogi eating champion. Okay, we've got that claim to fame. 
We, we got that going for us, which is nice. What's the perfect lineup this week, Ty? Uh, I don't know about the perfect lineup because uh, with the numbers and it, that would I didn't have time to put that together. But the guy who won yep. had over 160 points. Whoa. Yeah, he absolutely loaded up. Uh, he had Trevor Harris. I know that for sure. Uh, I have it right here. Okay, he had Trevor Harris, C.J. Gable, Moses Madu, Kenny Stafford, Ricky Collins, Darvin Adams, and the Esks defense, and he was under the salary cap. He didn't use any bonus dollars. Oh, yeah. So we should we should probably take we should probably take we should probably take advice from his guy instead. Just of once, I want the data. lottery ticket week. Yeah, <laughs> would be nice. But you look, so you look at this week. Trevor Harris, obviously at the top. I mean, the guy absolutely destroyed the defense in Montreal. Uh, 37.1. Dominique Davis, 22. Matt Nichols, 19.4. And then the top three, of course, Edmonton, Kenny Stafford, CJ Gable, Rocky Collins Jr. Uh, like we said, uh, BJ Cunningham at 22.6. Andrew Harris, 22.5. Brian Burnham and Drew Latarski both at 20.3. Uh, Moses Madu and Brandon Banks both had 20. And then it just kind of a schmozzle after that of a bunch of guys in and around uh, from 18 to 7 points there. Uh, nobody really standing out. Uh, you know, Reggie Bagleton only 8.4. Eric Rogers only 8.3. So a bit of an overpay this week for sure for some guys. Are you going to summarize this on 2andout.ca? I am. I have it almost written before uh, we recorded. I just have to uh, make sure I don't have any spelling errors. All right, buddy. Basically. So it'll be out there. Check out uh, all the fantasy stuff at twoandout.ca. We are a part of the Alberta Podcast Network powered by ATB. Uh, make sure you head to seatgiant.ca as the Alberta Podcast Network is powered with uh, Seat Giant. When you're buying your tickets, just uh, enter the code APN. You're going to save yourself 5%. You're going to support the network in the process as well. Seat Giant's great because it's Canadian-owned and operated, guarantees every ticket, and it's all in Canadian dollars. So you don't get screwed by that uh, U.S. exchange. Even if you are going to the States for an event and you type in SeatGiant.ca, it gives you the Canadian dollars. And there are only three games in the uh, Week 2 in the CFL, so they're all on Seat Giant. You're all going to save money. By using the promo code APN at checkout. I also want to uh, encourage you to check out the other shows in the Alberta Podcast Network. Uh, head to the website, albertapodcastnetwork.com. Check out the read along with Scott and Anita. I know Brazilian Thai. Do you read? When's, when's the last time you read something? Oh, hey, hey, what's that supposed to mean? <laughs> But do you have, have you ever read a book and you have nobody to talk about it with? Because <laughs> I have. I have, Maybe it's because I have a strange taste in uh, books. But it is basically a book club for your ears. They're going to chapter-by-chapter chapter journey through a good book. book. Check out the read-along at albertapodcastnetwork.com. Okay, Ty, what's your favorite book? Ooh, um, I have read... Never Stand Too Close to a Naked Man by Tim Allen at least five times. Oh, wow. Yeah. The first I, time I read it, I was like 14. I thought you were going to go uh, one of the Choose Your Own Path uh, books from Goosebumps. See, I never really got into Goosebumps. I was more of a boxcar children guy. A what? Yeah, exactly. Boxcar children? No. Oh. <laughs> like these homeless kids that live on a train. Oh, okay. 
It was it was it was it was what was in the elementary school library. We didn't have a lot of pickings, a lot, a lot to pick from. <laughs> Berenstein Bears or uh, the Barkscar Children? What am oh. I reading today? I still have a Berenstein Bears book. Actually, I keep it here for when uh, my nieces come over. Oh, nice! Yeah, I'm not a complete degenerate. <laughs> Although I did go three for one, three three and one this week, and I won twenty two dollars. Damn, Calgary! How much would you have won if they won? Oh, like thirty. Oh, <laughs> do you bet game by game? I, I yeah, I, did, I don't do parlays because that's just throwing away money. Oh, okay, uh, but I Winnipeg did double up. They were plus they were plus one hundred, so they paid two to one. So that was nice. Oh, I should have put a couple bucks down on that. I need some money. <laughs> don't we all <laughs> google podcasts apple podcasts stitcher wherever podcasts are found uh rate review subscribe wherever you can do that and we'll talk to you on thursday thanks for listening find more great shows like this at cf pod network on twitter